Good morning, everyone. Happy Palm Sunday. How's everyone this morning? All right. Will you stand with us as we worship?
test. Hey, there we go. You guys, it's so great to see you this morning and sing with you. We are going to continue singing in worship, but before we do that, why don't you just say hi to somebody who's next to you, maybe you haven't said hi to you yet this morning. Give them a good fist bump or a big smiley. Welcome to Southlands. My name is Kelly. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, we are going to continue to sing and worship a few more songs. Before we do that, I just want to encourage us this morning. You know, we're a church that wants to make much of Jesus in everything that we do, every day, everywhere we go. And uh, one of the ways that we do that when we're gathered together is we sing to Him. And the reason why we sing is because. We know that God's presence is here with us. We're not singing to like a vacuum. We're not singing to this idea of a God or just a, a construct that man has put together called religion. We actually believe that the presence of God is here with us. And what we're singing, it actually matters. And so we're not just singing to a ceiling. Uh, we're singing to God, and God hears our prayers, and He hears our songs, and He delights in those things. And so my encouragement to us as we continue to sing through a few more songs this morning, let's lift our voices and let's sing directly to God. Sometimes we're going to sing songs about God. If you're newer to the faith or you're wanting to know more about what it means to be a Christian, we're going to sing songs that are true about who God is, and you can learn that way. And for those of us who are already are Christians this morning, let's lift our hearts, let's lift our voices, lift all that we have this morning, and sing to a God who hears us, a God who's with us this morning. Amen? Yeah, all right. A couple of us agree with that. That's awesome. <laughs> Let me pray for us. It just helps us get back into singing, and uh, let's lift our voices together. Lord, we thank you that you are here with us this morning. We thank you that we're not a gathered people just doing something that we prefer that makes us feel good about ourselves, but the fact is that your presence is here with us and that you long to meet with us. And so God, we come and we, we step into that this morning as we sing, as we sit under the listening of your word and the preaching. Lord God, we wanna be transformed by you and we wanna commune with you this morning. And so we step and we lean into that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go for it, guys.
Jesus, we think of Revelation where it speaks of angels and myriads and myriads of angels circling your throne, living creatures, elders falling down, casting their crowns, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. God, we join this morning with what's happening in heaven right now. Lord, be able to sing about your holiness, and about your beauty and your majesty and your splendor. And Lord, we, we just want to say, God, if there's any part of who you are that has shrunk and diminished in our hearts and our view of you, God, will you come and lift our eyes on your greatness. Lift our eyes to behold how beautiful and wonderful you are, God. What a privilege it is to be able to join with heaven this morning and declare your holiness. We love you, God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, that you break in to our mundane world and you lift our eyes again to see how wonderful you are, Jesus. You are truly amazing, God. Amen. Amen. You guys, before you're seated this morning, um, we've already kind of said hi, but why don't you do something? Why don't you, with your best smile, say, hey, it's a great opportunity to silence your cell phone and then take a seat. All right? 
All right. Well, welcome. Welcome, friends. Welcome, family. Welcome, visitors, guests, neighbors. Um, if you're new with us, if you just kind of came in joining us here, uh, my name's Kelly, and I am one of the pastors at Southlands. It is so good to sing with you guys this morning, to hear your voices. Um, I want to I give us a little bit of encouragement. How many of you know that this year has felt like we have kind of just had to hold on, white-knuckle it? We've, uh, there's been this encouragement in the body of Christ to be resilient, Right? And um, if, if uh, one of my friends uh, has said, this year felt like we were in an MMA octagon, and we were losing, and we were just holding out, waiting in a fetal position while we were get, just getting hit, you know? And I would say that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, it, it felt this, this year was pretty rough. You know what's beautiful is, like, if you've noticed it, we're starting to feel like people are coming out of their cocoons, people are starting to get back to normal, um, things are, we're starting to see the light, the fear of COVID is starting to subside. And as your pastor, I want to encourage you, um, both for those of us who are here this morning, and, and also for those of you who are watching outline, and for those of you who are gathered outside this morning, my right, everyone's left, I think we can all say hi to everybody out there this morning. Hey guys, so glad you're out there. Um, my encouragement to us is, as your pastor and as an eldership team, We are trusting that this is going to be a season of rebuilding here at Southlands. And rebuilding, that means, you know, if you look at the book of Ezra, you look at the book of Nehemiah, there was a time where the walls were desolate, um, and God puts this burden on Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. And I would say that is very appropriate of where we are as a church right now. This year, it's taken its toll on us, but in God's kindness, there seems to be a resurgence of a remnant that is still gathered together. And so my encouragement to you is if you've been online for a year and we're so grateful that you've been watching and attending, um, I would even encourage you, maybe this Easter is the next step out that you're coming. We're going to be doing a pancake breakfast at 8.30 here. And maybe this is the time where you need to come out of your cocoon a little bit, join us in this rebuilding effort. Um, if, if you're here and you're coming in person and maybe you, you've, you've just been coming back but you haven't taken that next step back into serving and joining a volunteer team, we, we need people to jump back onto our teams, especially in kids. And I mean, it, all right, Brittany's saying amen. Um, so can you own this with us as a church? And I get some of us are still waiting for specific things to happen, but whatever it is, I'm not going to like conscribe exactly what that means for you, but I'm asking you, Whatever it is for you, can you take that next step? Can you take that next step and say, okay, maybe I've been online, but maybe the next step is I, I gather outside with people. Uh, maybe you're outside, maybe that next step is coming inside. Maybe you're inside, and that next step is getting uh, on a serve team or joining a community group. Whatever it is, can I ask you to own this with us in this next season and rebuild with us? Amen? It, it, it already feels like the tide is turning. It's so awesome. And just we want to lean into that and say, okay, the mission of Southlands has not changed, and that is to be and make true disciples of Jesus. And so own that with us, okay? My encouragement to you. All right. Before we get into uh, more stuff, we have some some very, very important people uh, who have graced us with their presence this morning. Uh, The U's. Will you guys come up here, Dan and Marsha? And if you want, you can bring the kids. It's up to you guys. You're so brave. 
All right. Some of y'all are clapping. You don't even know who these people are. You just, we, that's kind of, we're just, yeah. That's, uh, so part of our partnership into the mission that God has given us is not just here locally in Chino, but it's here, it's into our city, it's into our nation, and it's to the ends of the world. And so Jesus said before he ascended into heaven, make disciples of all nations, right? Dan and Marsha Yu lead One Light Church in Thailand. And some of us here have given toward that. They've even been able to put up a building in a village. They're, they're continuing to see people become disciples of Jesus. And so their family is here for a little bit of time. And I just thought, man, it would be so awesome to have them share what's going on in Thailand. So hand over, over to you guys. I, I hope you know what you did just handing me the mic. Do I have a two, two minutes? All right, all right. Uh, it is such a joy to be here with you guys. Uh, you guys are beautiful. It's so wonderful to see you guys here. Uh, actually, it's about six years since I visited this place. So back when it was Park Christian Fellowship, because I uh, was a lawyer in my past life, they had me come here, and they said, I want you to go through all of the documents here at Park to see if it might be a good decision for Southlands and to join with what God has been doing here at Park for such a long time. And actually, I, I spent an entire afternoon in Scott Weatherall's office. I looked through everything, and I said, no, we shouldn't do it, guys. But then Eric, um, a good friend of mine, said, hey, Dan, can you take your lawyer hat off and put your pastor hat on and let me know what you think? And, you know, the problem was I was seeing with my eyes. I wasn't able to see into the invisible of what God wanted to do. And it's just glorious to be here with you guys to see all of this. Um, and I think this is a season where, you know, God, we're really confused as to the news and what's going on with COVID. Um, but, you know, there's, there was this important thing that we have to understand is that God was always at work. And, I, you know, I just heard from Jeff. He was saying something's changed, something's happened in the last two months. It seems like God is really building something. Um, and, you know, the thing that I'm really feeling just being here is that the two things that he's building is something inside of each one of you. Just individually, this entire season has caused us to kind of assess and think, how much do I really believe the gospel and Jesus and the truths of the Bible? And am I going to let COVID have the last say, or am I going to allow the resurrection of Jesus to have the last say? And I know that there's some of you guys here and even those who are online that have said, look, my faith is real and I'm committed to this thing, even if it means my life. And I think the other thing that God has built into um, Southlands Chino is that you guys have recognized I need the body of Christ. I need my fellow brothers and sisters. It's not just a me and God journey. Those are the two things that I think he's reinforced in you guys in the, in the, in the invisible um, that he's going to be continuing to build upon. So I just wanted to say that over you guys. Um, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Tell us about One Light. You know what? It, it's falling apart ever since Josh came back to the States. Um, but things are going well, and it's the same thing. We've struggled with COVID, the travel restrictions, the economic implications. Um, you know, that, that whole MMA fight thing, um, we've also experienced that. Um, but, you know, we, we are really uh, excited and um, we are looking forward to uh, the things that God is going to do. We really feel like there's going to be a revival, there's going to be a blessing poured out towards the end of this year and really looking forward to that. 
Um, and even in the meantime, uh, you know, there are so many great stories um, that I can't say in two minutes. Uh, but just one story that I might be able to share is just uh, there's this uh, underprivileged school uh, in Chiang Rai that we invest into called Tantip. And uh, we thank you for your generous partnership in the things that we have going on there. Um, but, you know, when COVID hit and there was a change in leadership at the school, and they said, hey, um, actually, you guys who have been coming here and allowing these kids to worship and discipling them, you can't do that anymore. And they just completely shut us out for uh, several months. And we were praying, and we were fasting and asking God to open the door again. And we were knocking on the door and begging them and asking them, hey, can we come back and really minister to these kids again, give them an opportunity to worship God? And the leadership just said no. Um, eventually, they relented. And after about three months, we were able to go and see the kids again for the first time. And uh, the thing that we had realized is that these kids, we hadn't seen them in a while. And they said, hey, you know what? Even though you guys weren't here, um, we had been gathering. So the older kids were only about 14 or 15 years old that we had taught how to play guitar and lead worship. We're still gathering the little ones and worshiping God on Sundays. Just an amazing testimony. And, um, you know, they weren't content with that. Apparently, they were badgering and begging the leadership, the teachers, to allow us to come back so that as the leader said, hey, okay, you guys can have an hour and a half on Saturdays, he said, but can you please tell the kids to stop begging us to allow you guys to come back and to allow them to get off the campus to uh, go and worship God? Um, so just a little story of the things that God was doing in the invisible and the things that we weren't able to see with our eyes. Okay. You guys, yeah, come on. So, um, Kelly was saying, you know, if you're out, or if you're online, then you can move to outside, and if you're outside, then you can maybe move inside, and if you're inside, you can join a serve team, and if you're on a serve team, I want to say the next step maybe would be for, you know, maybe come visit us in Thailand. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, you guys. Let's give them an applause before they take their seats. Yeah. So stoked that they are here. Let me, uh, Zach, come on up. And uh, kiddos, if the kids want to come up here and, and take a little seat here, um, just uh, since we have this opportunity, part of our giving is not just for ourselves to keep the lights on. Uh, it is, I don't know if you remember this campaign we had, we called it Above and Beyond. And that is still ongoing. And, and you know, my fault, we haven't mentioned it for a while. But I want to remind us here this morning, part of our above and beyond giving is toward Thailand. And you can. You can go online. You can um, designate giving towards above and beyond in Thailand. And, you know, they're going to continue to need funds to work into the mission that God's called them there to in Thailand. So please, please consider giving toward above and beyond toward Thailand, guys. All right. Good morning, guys. You ready? All right, Zach, take it away. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing, everybody? Are we doing good? Okay, guys, here's a question for you. Who's your favorite superhero? Superman, maybe? Batman? That's my favorite superhero. Anybody else? Maybe Spider-Man? Jesus is your favorite superhero, Liam? Oh, Tim, take note of that one. Okay, all right. Well, that's great. So what if, uh, let's we'll get to Jesus in just a minute. What if Batman walked into the room? How would you guys greet Batman? Would you go up to him and shake his hand? Would you give him a hug? Would you take off your jacket and lay it on the ground so he can step on it and he wouldn't get his shoes dirty on the floor? 
Well, that's what the, uh, the people who saw Jesus at their time, when they saw him coming in, they laid down their clothes. Why don't we take a look in the Bible and see what it, it says when Jesus came back to Jerusalem. So in Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 36, it says, As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Okay, so a few things to know here when Jesus came in the picture, right? So he, was, he had just done uh, a bunch of miracles, right? So most recently, he just raised Lazarus from the dead. So these guys that had just seen him raise Lazarus from the dead, they want to recognize that, oh my gosh, this guy, he just did a huge miracle. Here we go, buddy. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> and uh, uh, so when they saw that Jesus did this miracle, they knew something's different about him. So when they saw him coming uh, into Jerusalem, basically where he was going to be crucified, he already knew that. They wanted to um, acknowledge that he was great and amazing. So they laid down their, their clothes. The thing about, another side note, Jesus came riding on a donkey, right? So we know that Jesus is the Messiah, right? These people, a lot of them didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah for their souls. They just thought he was going to save, like, the country of Israel. So it would have made more sense for Jesus to come in on a horse. Jesus came in on a donkey, and a donkey in that time symbolized peace. So that's a very great sign of humility. So Jesus is already so different. And here's the last thing um, that a lot of these people didn't know, that they saw Jesus do these miracles. They didn't know who Jesus really was. So even though they were giving him praise and admiration and they were just saying, Jesus, you're amazing, and we're praising a lot of them, meant it with all their hearts, but a lot of them didn't know how powerful and how wonderful Jesus really is. Well, now you guys know. We have that perspective now of who Jesus really is. He's the one who has saved our souls. He's the one that saved our hearts. He's the one that's given us a new life. So when we, when we for example, when we sing worship songs and we just praise who Jesus is, we don't uh, praise a man that just did some good things here and there. We praise the God, the author, the one who designed our salvation, guys. Isn't that cool? We get to praise the God of heaven. That's our privilege. So why don't we just pray and ask Jesus to, to make us more aware of these, uh, these truths. Jesus, I just thank you so much for our little ones this morning. And God, I just ask that the truth of who you are as our Savior of our hearts would just uh, come in and change our hearts and our minds and, and help us to live a life that just honors you and makes you so happy, God, because we wouldn't be anything without you. But with you, um, we know that we are truly loved and chosen for a great work. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, kids, you guys could go. Mr. Jacob's in the back. He's going to be back there if you guys want to go to the playground. Dismiss you guys. That's what was announced. Southlands, I'm Marianne, and this is your inside look at everything going on around here. 
When you walked in this morning, you should have received one of these. This is our weekly. On the front, you'll find some general information about us. On the back is a list of our current events. Attached at the bottom here is the connection card. The connection card is a great way for you to, that's right, get connected around here. Maybe you're new with us and you had some questions about our service, or you wanted to get plugged into a serve team. This is a great tool to utilize to do that. So what you're going to do is you're going to fill it out and drop it off at the welcome table. If you're new with us and dropping off a connection card for the first time, we have a gift just for you. All of the awesome stuff that happens on a Sunday morning could not happen without the help of our serve teams. And now that we're gathering more in person, we need your help to make our Sunday mornings function well. The serve teams are the people that are brewing your coffee, teaching your kids, or maybe they helped you find a seat this morning. Being a part of a serve team is a great way to get connected here. If you'd like to join one of our serve teams, stop by the welcome table today after the service. If you're giving with us financially, we want to say thank you. During this pandemic, our mission has remained the same, to be and make disciples of Jesus. This hasn't changed, and you financially giving has helped us partner in keeping this mission going. If you would like to give and you aren't currently giving, there are two easy ways to do this. One is online. You're going to visit chino.southlands.net click on the give tab and follow the prompts to get set up. The second way is right here in person where you'll find boxes located around our auditorium. Easter weekend is coming soon. This is such a special time for us to corporately gather and remember the death and resurrection of Jesus. On Friday, April 2nd, we'll gather right here from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. for our Good Friday service. Then, on Easter Sunday, April 4th, we'll get together at 8.30 a.m. for a pancake breakfast, followed by our regular service time at 10 o'clock. We need volunteers for this pancake breakfast to happen, so if you'd like to volunteer for that morning, stop by the welcome table today after the service. We also will culminate our celebration by having baptisms that morning. If you'd like to be baptized on Easter Sunday, stop by the welcome table today. That's it for today, Southlands. Don't forget to stop by the welcome table to volunteer for Easter Sunday. Thank you, Marianne. Does she do that well, by the way? I mean, they're, they're just, it's, like, it's like she's been doing that like for KTLA or something for forever. But uh, we appreciate that. What a good morning this is already. I mean, this is so, I, you know, if we didn't do anything else except this, and I just said, you know, you can all go home right now, you'd have, You'd have gotten plenty with uh, the words from the use and the wonderful worship time and, and all those great things. By the way, you're not going home right now. Just uh, uh, But uh, lock the doors, would you, Tim? Thank you. But it is uh, it's nice to be with you here, to be able to, uh, to speak. Palm Sunday. This is Palm Sunday. Did you know that? It's Palm Sunday. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and man, they even had palms. They, they had, like, it was just a kind of a, and everybody got one. I was going to say we, we did this, but we didn't do that. Uh, but we, we've done that before, though, haven't we, honey? 
I have a twitch, I'm sorry. So we are going to go to Matthew chapter 21 if you want to get there just now. These are the notes from the last time I spoke. Just talk amongst yourselves there for a minute. And it appears there they are hiding. Palm Sunday is probably uh, the story of the the triumphal entry, if you have that. uh, heading in your Bible. It's one of the most dramatic uh, places you can go in the Scriptures. There's plenty of drama in the Scriptures for sure, but t- uh, Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry really adds to that kind of uh, drama. It was occasioned by one of the three times that the Jews got together in Jerusalem. I don't know if you can imagine living in a culture where a religious culture where three times a year uh, we're packing up the kids and heading to Jerusalem. And we're going to be there for about a week. So there was a lot of planning that took in, uh, that, that went along with all of that. Jerusalem was a city at that time of about twenty or 30,000, and it got inflated about six times that. Uh, the only thing that we have even close to that kind of thing here in uh, our country might be, and of course it's not a religious uh, occasion, but uh, think of New Year's Eve in uh, New York City. Do you you remember New uh, New Year's Eve in New York City and what they used to do? Uh, Or Pasadena on uh, New Year's Day, right? where people would just just pour into the area there for an event. And so that was the kind of uh, environment that happened at these three uh, occasions. And, of course, this was Feast of the Passover. And, and so that's what was going on at that time. It came from really everywhere, a lot of excitement in the air. And Jesus and his disciples... And a very large crowd, if you read all of the, uh, the uh, uh, Gospels and their uh, accounts of it, a very large crowd were moving with them toward the city. And uh, this, is the, this is the environment, this is the occasion of what's taking place. So why don't we go ahead and at least read those first few Uh, verses so that we can uh, pick that up. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus uh, sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her and untie them and bring them to me, And if anybody says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. So there is this, um, this odd thing that Jesus is asking two disciples. It appears to be a prearranged uh, thing, at least between Jesus and, 
and wherever they're going for this donkey. But he pulls these two disciples together and he says, and he gives them these instructions here. And my guess is it was probably a kind of an, an odd request uh, for them. Just go do this. It would, have been, it would be tantamount to, in this culture, to say, there's a car over in the next town over here, and I just want you to go and uh, uh, hotwire it and, uh, <laughs> and come on back with it. I'm going to need it. And if anybody says anything, just say, just say the Lord needs it. You follow me? <laughs> it, was, it, it was really that kind of, uh, of a thing because in those days, donkeys meant uh, transportation. And uh, so go get this. It was a strange and a peculiar and an odd, perhaps, request. But it, it appears that the two disciples, whoever they were, said, okay, by that time they had sort of come to trust that anything that Jesus asked them to do is probably going to work out sooner or later. And so they just went ahead and did this thing. Now, let's go to the next uh, slide. And uh, it says that this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And of course, this is the scripture from Zechariah 9.9. It was a, a prophetic scripture. It was a messianic uh, scripture. And so whether or not these two disciples knew it or not, they were going to be a part of fulfilling scripture. Just as, by the way, a bunch of you are as well. The intentions of God and his church and the things that he would like to see happen, his kingdom coming, his will being done on the earth more and more, we are a part of that. Imagine that, us being a part of prophetic uh, declarations by the Lord. But these two guys, you know, I, I think sometimes we give too much credit to the disciples because they really didn't put the whole thing together even up until the resurrection. And after the resurrection, they were still walking around, scratching their heads, going, what happened here? So my guess is, is as they were going to get the donkey, one wasn't saying to the other, well, here we go to fulfill a prophetic utterance by Zechariah. There was no sense in which they probably put that together at all. They were just doing what Jesus told them to do, and probably in hindsight, they were able to, and by the way, you know, yay for hindsight, amen? Because often the things that Jesus gets us into, uh, if he told us exactly what was going to happen and the way that it was going to happen, we would have never done it. But thank the Lord that uh, he... He says, look, obedience is a good thing. It's better than sacrifice. Just go do this, and I promise it'll work out. And, of course, uh, it does. So he's, and Zach told the story so well. He comes into the city, right? And I, I, I really want to make this point because I think it's a good one. He comes into the city with a crowd of people. It's not that he's 
you know, just coming in with 11 or 12 people, but there have been a whole group of people traveling with him, probably Galileans, right? And they were with him, and they're coming into the city. Let me say something about Galileans. Galileans uh, were sort of considered by the Judeans as hillbillies. They were not uh, sophisticated. They lived up in the north. There's a lot of farming going on there and things like that. And they, there was a little suspect about their legitis, legitimacy as real Jews, right? And so when they're coming down the road with Jesus and maybe a throng of them or whatever, and the Judeans are looking down the road, they're thinking something like, here comes the Beverly Hillbillies. And I think Goober and Gomer are with them as well. Not because they deserved to be spoken of that way, but because the Judeans saw themselves as very elite, and these were the real Jews, and these were the ones who were being taught by the Judean uh, uh, scribes and Pharisees, and all of this sort of thing, right? So they come in, and all of this red carpet treatment that's going on there is really being uh, executed by the Galileans. The Judeans were a little more suspect about all of this. They, they were not buying in to this at all. There was a lot of skepticism going on. So when we think of the crowd there, we must not think of a kind of a monolithic group of people, but we have to remember that there was a tribalism almost between Judea and between the Galileans. And, and really, as you would move through the crowd, you would see people shouting Hosanna, right? And another group that were standing there with their arms folded, with a skeptical look on their face, going, what's this all about? They'd probably heard of Jesus, but they were not buying in at all. And I might underscore another point and that is this, that when the shouts of crucify him a few days later on were happening, it was not the people that were shouting to him at this point, Hosanna. It was probably many more of those who uh, were skeptical and who were not buying in at all. So, it w so to make the, the case of hypocrisy, Right, And maybe we've all heard it, and I embarrassingly say that I have preached that before, but I did a little deep dive into the, uh, some of the commentators and some of the historical background, and there, were, there wasn't a lot of hypocrisy going on on the day that they said, crucify him. They were skeptical and looking down their nose on Palm Sunday, and by the time we got to the end of Hell Week there, they were the ones that were saying, crucify him. And there were many, many Galileans that were mourning with the disciples as well. Why? Because they had seen him firsthand do the things that we all know that he did. Jesus' uh, ministry was not primarily in Judea and in Jerusalem. Much, much of what he did was up in the hills, right? 
with the, with the ones that were just the unwashed, the ones that, that talked funny. They did talk funny, by the way. They had another dialect. So when they came into town, I mean, it was like, you know how it is. People always like to distinguish themselves from other people. That's kind of human nature. It's hellish. It's wrong. But that's what was going on. And so uh, the Judeans say, you, you, you folks really talk funny. You know, you don't speak the way that is proper, right? It's the way some people in America, and John Poole, I, I, I can see you're already, your eyes are twinkling at me, who is from South Carolina. But, but the South here takes a lot of, uh, a lot of flack for uh, their accent. And so it's the, same, it's the same kind of thing. And there's a whole lot of wonderful, intelligent, and uh, uh, learned people from the South. But there's, but, but soon as people hear that accent, they tend to move right into, I'm superior to those folks. It was the same dynamic that was going on at that time. So in all of the drama and in all of the wonderful things that were, were going on, it's, uh, it's important to remember that, again, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a crowd that was all on the same page. And the Pharisees were having a couple of problems with all of this, as they always did. The first problem was their, their jealousy. They had been jealous of him, start, actually starting with John the Baptist, because Jesus and John the Baptist got better crowds. There was something in both of the Baptist and Jesus in their teaching that just drew people to them. And, you know, they were kind of emptying the synagogues out in the fields uh, and there are all these people, and oh my. And the second thing had to do with the fear of um, upsetting the Romans. Don't want to upset, up, upset those Romans. They're Italians, you know. And they get a little jittery from time to time about things. You don't want to, you want to make those people mad. And so uh, this weird relationship between the religious aristocracy and the Romans uh, was there. It's a very delicate thing. Nobody wanted to upset that. Uh, even the Romans were uh, careful, careful, because in order for everybody to get what they wanted, they had to be able to placate one another and keep everybody doing okay. But here's the thing. Word on the street was this Jesus was somehow uh, being declared a king. We don't want that to get out. We don't want it, people starting to think that there's this Jewish king, right? That is, uh, that, that he sees himself as a king and that people are buying into it. And what about Caesar and what about the Roman Empire and all of that, right? So we got to put this thing down. And um, that's, that's the context of what was really happening. It was still very dramatic. It was still very wonderful. The people who were shouting Hosanna had no really idea of the dimension of Jesus' kingship or what it really meant for him to be that. They were very politically uh, minded at that time. And the idea was 
that, uh, well, he's doing all these miracles and he's doing all this wonderful stuff, so it shouldn't be hard for him to overthrow the government who aren't very nice to us and set up a new government. Amen? There's all, there's all of this going on uh, and uh, the complete understanding, really, of who Jesus was uh, wasn't even perceived uh, fully by those who were his supporters at that time. They just didn't, they just didn't grasp it completely at that point. So the next day, and it usually most, most of the scholars think, think, pardon me, it's not the next day, it's actually the next thing that happens in the story is uh, what we're going to read just now. Did we miss that already? I guess we did. Oh, yeah, because I, I uh, referred to Zach. Okay, well, let's, let's go through it. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Very large crowds spread the cloaks while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then, the next slide says, and the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. And that's uh, kind of a, oh, pardon me, when, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And so when they, they referred to him as a prophet, they may have been trying to cover themselves a little bit because they knew that king thing kind of put people on edge. But they were really saying, this is the one, this is the Messiah, this is the Savior that we have been promised. And they were honoring him as such as they place the, the palms and uh, the cloaks and like that. Let's read then the third part. Go ahead and put it up there, Sean. Jesus entered the temple courts. This is the next thing that happens, by the way. So from, from out of this wonderful, glorious thing that just took place, his entrance into the city, the dichotomy of most uh, honoring him and shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and then the others as well who were kind of skeptical. Next thing that happens is he enters the temple courts and it says he drove out all who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. When the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. So talk about drama continuing through <laughs> the day. This, what was going on in the street comes into the temple courts, the court of the Gentiles that it was called at that time. It was set aside for the Gentiles, and I'm going to guess that would include most of us here, to come and pray. And uh, as a result, uh, Jesus comes and he sees that they've set booths up to accommodate uh, the travelers. There was uh, uh, 
livestock there. There were birds that could be sacrificed if people couldn't afford uh, a lamb. And there were money changers, people who were able to change the money from wherever people came from to a uh, to money that would make sense in Judea and like that. So Jesus comes in and he looks around and he's angry. And I don't think the issue is so much that we had corrupt business people there, though I'm sure that there were corrupt business people where, you know, it's just going to happen. But I think what really burned Jesus was the fact that this was the court of the Gentiles. This was the place that was set apart for the Gentiles to come and to pray. And he was so incensed that he came in this one section. And by the way, the court of the Gentiles at that time would have measured about a mile all the way around. So he didn't do this all over the place, but this happened in a certain area. And he just said, no, 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 this, this can't be. And dramatically, uh, I mean, you ever have somebody just uh, turn the table over? I don't raise your hand, by the way. Yes, I lived in a very dysfunctional home, and my mother did that every night. Uh, no, don't, we, don't, we don't want to hear that story. But all I'm saying is if you've ever been somewhere where someone has done a dramatic thing like that, and, and just, and the money all over the floor, and the animals scared, and Jesus challenging these guys, who, by the way, are there by the decree of the chief priests. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they're there because they got permission to be there. So when Jesus drives them out, he's saying not only something to these individuals, he's saying something to a religious system there as well. He's saying, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't do this. This is where the Gentiles come and pray. And I care about those Gentiles, about those outsiders. And you're not going to, for the sake of of commerce uh, become an obstruction to that. And so he's just, he's just incensed regarding all of that. And uh, so let me just say two or three things very quickly to you about all of this. And I guess, uh, I guess the first thing I would say, go ahead and put uh, number one up there, Sean. is I, I would hearken you back to uh, the peculiar and odd and bewildering requests uh, that they gave the two disciples to go get the donkey, right? And may I say to you that most of us who follow Christ will at some time be challenged with an unusual, peculiar, odd, or bewildering request from God. There's four stories in this room that I know about in that regard, um, let's start with, uh, with Jeff and Brittany. Just bought a beautiful home in Corona a few years ago. Wonderful place, bigger than the place that they're in right now. They bought it. They owned it. It was a great place to begin, to begin a family. And, to, and then um, 
Chino uh, Southlands is going to begin. And the Lord begins then to speak to them and say, sell that house that you've been in for two years and move to Chino and rent a house, Chino Hills, rent a house and let your family start there. So from Corona to Chino Hills. Kelly and Marianne are just minding their own business over there in Brea, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, something starts stirring in Houston that, that has their name on it. And so the Lord says, yeah, you're going. And so they leave, these Southern California kids here. The U's, right? Four or five years there in Brea, just loving God, minding their own business, maybe had a burden for that part of the world, but, uh, but really nothing was bubbling up. And all of a sudden, it was, it's launching time, and we're going to Thailand. And we're going to start a church over there. We're in northeast L.A., Lori uh, uh, and I, and uh, pastoring a church, kind of a bilingual slash gang outreach uh, church that's just growing and flourishing, and there's a wonderful thing going on. And then I go to Massachusetts for a men's retreat to, to speak there. And, and the Lord, show, uh, I'm looking at a map, and I say, who's over here in the central part? And the guy said, well, we don't have any churches over there. And then I go back to my room, and the Lord says, well, you're going. Odd and peculiar and bewildering and what's going on. And if you think that all of us felt that a little bit in that move, you should have talked to our relatives and our friends. What are you doing? When we went to Massachusetts, they all said this to us. Nobody moves from Southern California to Massachusetts. You move from Massachusetts to California. Now, am I saying that every request by God means that, you know, y'all are moving somewhere? No, I'm not saying that. But that's a lot of stories like that. A lot, a lot of stories. And I will tell you that if it hasn't happened for you yet, get ready because it will. Something odd, something strange, something bewildering, something that's sort of out of the norm that he will ask you to do, probably for two reasons. Number one, to kind of see what you're made of, and number two, to get some kingdom stuff done. Somebody say amen. Absolutely. Let's get number two up there real quick. Um, actions fueled by jealousy or corrupt political alliances never end well. That's what's going on with the Pharisees and the scribes and the chief priests, and I'm just, this is going to be really quick. This is self-explanatory here. You get a suicide on the backside of the, the alliances, uh, for sure, and you get another politician that's going out of his mind because his wife is bugging him about nightmares, and finally uh, he just caves, talking about Pont Pontius Pilate, and, uh, and the scribes and the Pharisees and their jealousy, it was so petty, and it was so, I mean, it turned their hearts from jealousy into murder. I mean, it, it wasn't too far from, from, from the jealous 
And we've all experienced it. Our natures are given to such things. The political alliances aren't just in the realm of politics. They're in the realm of, of uh, office cooler uh, talk and things that happen in the workplace and even in the church. I've seen this kind of thing happen as well. So we have to be careful of all of that. They just don't end well. And when we begin to see those things happen in our lives, and it's good to just run about as far away from it as you can. Well, I can't help it. I just get jealous. Then ask God to help you. He will help you, whatever the issue is. But these, these issues didn't end well at all. And then finally, number three, when we make room for the, it should say, outsider, we welcome the work of the Spirit as regards prayer and healing and giving and worship and missions. Because that's what happened there in the temple courts. Jesus walks in. He says, this is, where the, this is, this is missions right here, guys. This is where the Gentiles get to come and pray, and you guys are obstructing it. What are you thinking? And so he clears them out. Why? So the Gentiles can come where this booth was set up so they can call on the name of the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. And healing. Did you notice? Did you notice? Right after he cleared them out, it said the blind and the lame came to him. So now we got a healing service going on in the court of the Gentiles. Why? Because there's room that's being made for the outsider. There's room made for for the outsider and the blind and the lame. Jesus, I can't see. Jesus, I can't walk. Can you help me? Yes, I can and I will. And so we have the kingdom emerging in the context of a bunch of Gentiles being restored to their prayer place and now healing. And, and uh, what else? I put giving for this reason in one of the Gospels, there is a story right about this part where Jesus is in the court of the Gentiles and he sees an old woman go to the place where they give. Right? You know the story, most of you. You know, and she's just all bent and she can just hardly, and she gets there and she puts in just a couple of nickels. And Jesus goes, guys, 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 come here. He says, look at that, look at that. He says, he says that, you know, these other people come in doing an interpretive dance and dunking their offering, right? See? And she just comes in. He says, she gave everything that she had. She gave more than the rest of these people. This was happening right around that time. So what are we seeing? What are we, we're seeing prayer. We're seeing healing. We're seeing giving. I love the story about the kids because who's worshiping in the court of the Gentiles that is just ticking off the religious authorities? It's the kids. It's the kids that were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name. Kids like the ones up here this morning. The kids are worshiping. The kids are praising. So look what's getting released here. When Jesus comes in, causes a little trouble, 
And all of this is getting released. And, and then the wonderful uh, quote from Psalm 8 about the Lord ordaining praise, right? Ordaining praise from the mouths of infants and children. By the way, can I just underscore this? They knew how to say Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, because they were out at the parade earlier and they saw mom and dad and aunts and uncles and cousins saying it. And so as they came in then to the temple courts, they had a vocabulary of praise and worship. Amen? That one's for free, but that's something that we need to be able to take note of. They need to be able to learn that vocabulary and see that the people that they love and love them so much as well, they need to see them doing it first. Amen? Yeah. And missions. Well, it's self-explanatory. It's The court of the Gentiles was missions. That's what it was. That was God saying, I love you guys. I think about you guys. It's not just the ones on the inside at this juncture in redemptive history. It's, it's you guys. And if we'd have been there at that time, all of us would be out in that court seeking the Lord. Amen? All of us. You know, the Irish and, the, and the, the Korean and the Italians. I don't know about the Italians. Maybe they would. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the Italians, they'd have been there. But they would have, they would have been keeping their eye on the, on the Roman soldiers. Uh, all of them, all of us would have been out there on that, in that court, but we couldn't get there if there was some kind of a, you know, swap meet going on. But Jesus came and just violated all of that and began to release kingdom authority. And so now we got prayer, we got worship, we got giving going on, we got all this great stuff uh, happening, healing, huh? and missions. Palm Sunday is about more than, than just kind of the, the parade story. But it's about Jesus saying, look, I know what I'm walking into here, but your kingdom come, your will be done on this piece of earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Chino. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Thailand because he loves the whole bunch. And he came and laid his life down for every one of us. Whatever your story is, wherever you came from, whatever isn't worked out in your life at this point, come to Jesus one more time here today. We're going to come to the table. Come to Jesus, and let's start over. Let's start there. Let's see what he can do. Amen? We're going to now actually uh, move us in the direction of that table. If, if you're a person who has decided to follow him, uh, maybe today, hopefully today, you could go to that table, and you could... As a, as a symbol of your first act 
receive communion. And we would welcome that if that's, if that's where, uh, where you're at here this morning. But everybody else, we're going to ask you to begin to move in that direction. And then the worship uh, uh, band will come up. So go ahead. Go ahead. Grab a cup. All over the world, folks, all over the world, people are doing what we're doing. In cathedrals and in huts and everything in between, people are getting together and remembering what happened on the night that he was betrayed. He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, and it's broken for you. And he wasn't just talking about the guys around the table. He was talking about you. They didn't even understand the significance of it. They had no idea really what was around the corner. But they believed on him at that time. And so at whatever point of understanding that we have, let's remember the broken body of Jesus as we eat. And then he identified the cup as the new and everlasting covenant, a new covenant that would cleanse and wash away the sins of people. The legal tender of heaven that sufficiently took care of all of that, past, present, and future, so that we could walk as forgiven people without the guilt, without the shame, without all of the nonsense that our adversary would like to put on us on a regular basis. But today we remember the victory that is ours in Jesus as we placed our faith squarely in him. Amen? Let's drink. Lord, thank you. Thank you for going through everything that you did on our behalf. You knew exactly what was going on as you came in to Jerusalem. You knew exactly even the perhaps shallowness of the understanding. But you received what was there for them. And then you clarified as the week went on. And then you went and died for our sins. And you resurrected on the third day. And we find ourselves, Lord, having heard the whole story, rejoicing week by week as we come to your table. We're grateful for it. Help us start, if we need to, help us to start over again this week. Help us 
to move on our Passion Week 2021 toward Easter with full and grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.
Amen. Such a good song, guys. So rich. You guys, um, it's been so good gathering with you this morning, online, outside, in person, inside the building. Um, can I just make a final plea? Um, please consider serving this coming Sunday for our, our pancake breakfast. You can sign up at the welcome table this morning. And then um, if you are wanting to take the next step by being baptized, maybe you're a believer, but you've never actually gone through the waters of baptism, or maybe you're a new believer this morning and you're saying, I want to put my hope and my faith in Christ. The Bible tells us that the moment that we cross from darkness into light and surrender our life to Jesus, that he calls us to be baptized, and it's a public confession of something that's inwardly happened to us. Um, this morning, in, in about 10 minutes, we're just going to do a short baptism class. For those of you who are interested, just talk about what it means. So we welcome you to that. But sign up at the welcome table this morning to, uh, to help us on this coming Sunday. And then uh, we will see you guys this Friday, 630, for our Good Friday gathering right here in the building. One hour. You guys have a great Sunday. We love you. Go have some food with some friends. We'll see you next week.